Today's episode features a location that is very dear to my heart. And honestly, I've been waiting to share this with all of you since the very beginning of Kyotopia. But before that, I want to give a special thank you to Robert for joining our Patreon family. Roberto-san, domo arigato. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I just couldn't resist. Friends, we have recently revamped the Patreon. Not only can you get each episode a day in advance, but members also get access to the video versions of the episodes as well. We hold a monthly AMA, share the raw audio to the Japanese-only interviews like in today's episode. Uh, we also have bonus episodes we upload each week, as well as special videos featuring the locations and things we often talk about. For example, last week uh, when the cherry blossoms were in full bloom, I shared a virtual tour of Ginkakuji, Nanzenji, and the Philosopher's Path. Your support is what makes this podcast possible, and every little bit counts, so please consider joining the Kyotopia family at patreon.com slash kyotopia. That's patreon.com slash kyotopia. Now, let's get on with the show. In order to properly introduce today's featured location, I will first have to tell you a little bit about my personal journey, how I ended up coming to Japan, and the events that inspired and led me to starting this podcast in the first place. But we'll have to go back, way back, to the early 2000s, around 2006 to be exact. It was sort of on a whim that I decided to study a foreign language, and subsequently choosing Japanese. At that time, there weren't many resources on the subject. Smartphones and study apps like Duolingo were not yet a thing. So I relied mostly upon whatever books I could find at the local library, as well as the limited resources that existed online. I remember there was a local DVD rental shop in downtown Dayton, Ohio, where I lived at the time. They had a large collection of old movies. Criteria Collection and foreign films. I would often go there to rent old Japanese films by directors like Kurosawa Akira, Ozu Yasujiro, or Kobayashi Masaki. After absorbing as much as I could for just over a year or so, I really wanted to test some of the skills that I had learned. So I decided to plan a trip to Japan. I should also mention that I come from a sort of lower middle class family, so if I wanted to do something so self-indulgent, I would have to come up with the money by myself. At the time, I worked as a host and busser at a local Thai-slash-sushi restaurant downtown. I requested more hours and worked hard for one year while living at home just to save enough money for the flight and accommodation. I remember a week just before my flight, I was finishing the first of a double shift. After cleaning a table on the second floor while carrying a tray full of half-empty glasses, I missed a step on my way down and twisted my ankle. Okay. 
It wasn't anything serious, just a sprain, but it left me with a slight painful limp. I ended up purchasing a retractable black cane for support from Walmart a few days before getting on that plane. Now, I have never been the type that likes to slowly and gradually inch their way into the cold waters. I always jump straight in. Just want to get it over with as fast as possible. You know, rip the band-aid off in one quick go, so to speak. This was my first time ever leaving America and visiting a foreign country. I mean, to hell with moderation. Of course, I had to choose one that was completely on the other side of the planet. They arrived on an evening in late March 2008 at Kansai International Airport. The sun was setting and there was heavy rain. Making my way through the labyrinth of customs and leaving the airport was a task in itself. Getting to the train, I was exhausted from the 12-hour flight, but I was excited. I remember how strange it was to me, how I could not clearly distinguish whether where I was standing was either considered inside or outside. All the passages and walkways which took me from customs to the train were all connected with concrete. Only occasionally did the ceiling disappear to reveal the open air. I saw one of those convenience stores I had heard about and seen so often in the Japanese dramas I rented from the store. I took my chance, holding my suitcase in one hand and cane in the other. I hobbled inside and purchased a rice ball. My first onigiri, shake, or cooked salmon. It was delicious, but for the life of me I could not find a trash can. Riding the train to Kyoto was another new experience. Me, a humble, Ohioan had never witnessed such scenery. My eyes were busy and fixated on the buildings and mountains that were whizzing by outside my window. All my synapses were firing at full tilt. For some reason I thought of honeycombs, like worker bees. All the homes and buildings were so close together it was very different from the suburbs where I grew up, where you had to drive a car or get a ride to go anywhere at all. I immediately got the sense, here space was a commodity. I arrived at Kyoto Station around 7 p.m. Coming down the escalators and admiring the impressive architecture of the ceiling, I made my way to the main entrance. I noticed the people lined up for buses and taxis, and for the first time, I was certain I had made it outside. And it was still raining. From my pocket, I pulled out the map I had printed out. That's right, kids. Google Maps did not yet exist. It provided directions from the station to my first accommodation in Japan. The map indicated I should head north to Gojo Street, so I did. I remember walking with determination until all the tall buildings broke away to reveal a large structure with a likeness of which I had only ever seen in movies. The sheer scale of the wooden temple took my breath away. I would later learn that this temple was called Higashi Honganji. I suppose I didn't expect the temples and shrines to be so close and interwoven with the more modern metropolis style of the city. There are indeed many traditional buildings closer toward the mountains, but the fact there are so many still in the middle of the urban areas of the city are really what makes Kyoto and Japan in general so unique and beautiful. 
Limping in the rain for about 40 minutes, passing all the new smells which exuded from the many restaurants and noodle shops along the way, I approached a large bridge stretching across the river. That's right. This was the first time I crossed Kamogawa. The lights from all the old wooden buildings lit up the night and stretched off along its moving waters toward the backdrop of mountains in the distance. As I walked across Gojo Bridge, I remember stopping to touch one of the interesting cylindrical pillars that are attached on each side, at the top of which there is a metallic structure which sort of resembles a water droplet or a slime from Dragon Quest. I knocked on each one once I realized doing so produced a pleasant bell-like tone. It wasn't long after crossing Gojo Bridge that I arrived at the guest house. The building clearly had history, and the entrance was a perfect example of that blend of new and old that I had previously mentioned. It was an old wooden traditional style building that was tightly sandwiched between larger, more modern style buildings. To the right side of the entrance, there grew some plants, one which climbed up the side of the wall as if it were trying to take the building entirely. To the left, there were a few parked bicycles, and just above, covering the second story, were traditional blinds made of bamboo. And just beneath that, hanging in front of the sliding door, was a quaint, handcrafted wooden sign with the words written in white paint, Gojo Guesthouse. I timidly opened the door and started to take my shoes off, as I had learned to do from my studies back home. An old gentleman wearing a heavily patched kimono stopped me and advised, no, no, shoes okay. He gestured to a sign just above the Genkan step that read in English, Keep Shoes On. He took my umbrella and guided me to the front desk where I was greeted by one of the young staff members who checked me in, gave me the official tour of the building and my room. Now, there's much to say about the layout and overall fuinki of the guesthouse itself, but among its many charms, it would be a grave mistake if I were not to recognize its staff, as I would argue that they contribute the most to its overall aesthetic and vibe. That's the current manager of the guest house. We had a little conversation about his history and the guest house in general. I'm originally from Nara City, but after studying in Osaka and Beppu University, I ended up settling here in Kyoto. So, how is it you came to work here at the guest house? I got a job which was located in Shiga, and I thought Kyoto seemed like more of an interesting place to live than Shiga, so after working for that company in Shiga for two years, I quit and took a trip around Southeast Asia. When the money ran out, I came back and started looking for what to do next. I knew about guest houses, so I found one which offered room and board for its staff. I happened upon Gojo Guest House when browsing the internet looking for work one day. So I applied and I was offered the job. That was when I was 25 years old. Right, so from the beginning you were just a regular staff. So how is it that you ended up becoming the manager? So, the manager before me was having lots of stress related to work and personal life, and they decided they were going to close the guest house. When that happened, I wasn't working here anymore, but I had just quit another job right at that time. I was invited to take up the torch and run the guest house in his place. To be honest, I didn't really want to, but everyone was pressuring me to do it, so yeah. 
I ended up doing it, that was back in 2013. Could you please tell us、uh, a little bit about the location of the guest house? So, from Kyoto Station, if you walk to the north up Kamagawa River, it takes about 30 to 40 minutes to get here. Once you get to Gojo Street, go east and you can find us. You can find Kiyomizu Temple and the Gion District nearby, which are both popular tourist spots. We are basically right between those tourist spots and downtown Kyoto. So, what do you know about the history of the building? Do you know what it was before it was turned into a guest house? So, this building was inherited by its current owner's parents, whom I believe had it built. Originally, it was used as a traditional yokan restaurant. So, because Kyoto is such a popular location for tourists, there are many hotels and hostels to accommodate them. What kind of people tend to choose Gojo Guest House? And why do you think they choose you?、Mm, uh, it's all Japanese style architecture. I think it is probably because of the old traditional architecture of the building and the fact it is close to the touristy areas in downtown. Also, the way it looks from the outside is pretty unique. I think it just stands out visually. I think people who are interested in old historical things often choose to visit here. For the people who come to Kyoto for the first time and stay at Gojo Guest House, what do you hope they would get out of their experience during their stay? Kyoto, I think rather than trying to see all the tourist spots, I would like people to take some time to relax and really slow down while they stay here. There are many small businesses, restaurants, and cafes run by the local people. I would rather people check out some of those places rather than just going to the big chain stores. For the past two years, due to the pandemic, Kyoto、uh, and Japan has seen a huge decline in tourism.、Uh, from your perspective, how has this affected Kyoto、uh, as a city and how has it affected your business? It has become quiet. Daily life became easier. <laughs>、uh, for example, using the bus system and commuting in general. Of course, it does feel a little lonely at times. Prices for bus tickets have risen by 200 yen in the past two years. Most businesses have been really struggling. About 80 to 90% of our business relied on foreign tourists, so yeah, we are taking a really big hit. All the other guest houses feel the same. Everyone is doing their best. Many of us have taken up part time work as well. We have a cafe on the first floor, so we have been trying to focus more on that aspect of the business. I think a lot of Japanese don't know about us, so we are trying to do events such as bringing in guest chefs, live music, and artists to display their works in an attempt to get more Japanese customers who don't know about us to come here. All right, so what do you think makes Gojo Guest House unique, and what, if any, would you like to say is the concept or philosophy behind the house and the cafe? 
を抜いてまあ過ごす。I would like this to be a place of comfort where people from all different walks of life can come and relax and forget about their struggles. That goes for the cafe as well as the guest house. People from different countries and different philosophies can all come together. I think all the people who work here feel the same way as well. We all do our best to create this sort of laid back atmosphere. If you are able to come to Kyoto, even if you can't stay with us, I hope you can come join us for a cup of coffee or something. By all means, please come and visit us. During that first stay, back in 2008, I remember immediately feeling a warmness for the staff. They really did go out of their way to make sure I had the best experience possible. That old man in the patched kimono? That was Ishida san. Despite the fact he was unable to speak very much English, one day he offered to take me and two other travelers to a remote temple up in the mountains via his personal car. One staff member once invited me to her family's home where her grandmother showed me how to fold origami and performed traditional Japanese tea ceremony. Another staff member took me to my first Sento experience, that is, the public Japanese bath for the uninitiated. I was so nervous and worried I would make a mistake and offend someone or get kicked out because of. My tattoos, but she coached me through it and gave me the encouragement that I needed to have that initial experience. I now enjoy my local sento on a regular basis. Although most of the staff that was working at that time of my first stay has since moved on, I am still in touch and consider myself friends to this day with many of them. Nakanishi has since become the manager, Yui started her own clothing line. Aki is now working on and planning to open her own bakery in Shiga Prefecture. Mai lives and works abroad in Australia. Yohei and Ken work in film and photography, and back in 2020, they、uh, actually filmed an advert for the guest house, which、uh, you can find and view on YouTube. And、uh, yours truly has a, a short cameo in that video. All these people helped make my first memory of Kyoto and Japan a unique and unforgettable one. When it was time to go back to America, Saying goodbye to those friendly faces was difficult, but the experience left such an impression on me that I knew one day I would come back and I would live in Japan. Two years later, I would graduate college and find a job opportunity in Toyohashi City in Aichi Prefecture, and then it would only take me eight more years until I would finally make my way back here. And so here I am. Kyoto is now my home, and I am so excited and grateful. That I now get to share it with all of you. Kojo Guest House has been like a base camp for me on my travels to Japan. Yeah, I've stayed there many times ever since 2008. 地元の人とかがよく集まってきててなんであの地元の人たちとあのコミュニケーション知り合えたりするのでなんで普通の京都旅行っていう感じじゃなくてもっとその京都に住むっていうのはどういうものなのかというか京都生活っていうのを体験したいなっていう人にはあの。What keeps me coming back to Gojo every time I come to Kyoto is that there's this real sense of it being sort of a focal point or a gathering place for 
this local community, whether it's people coming in in the afternoon for coffee or in the evening for beers and through the art exhibitions where they showcase local artists. There's like actual Kyoto locals who live there and that you can interact with. で、めちゃめちゃ良かったからまた秋に戻ってきて、で、そこからはもうほんまにもうなんか京都住みたいってなって、京都に引っ越しするきっかけを作ってくれたところですね。We Maybe one of my favorite places in Japan overall. The staff is so cool, really cares about your experience,、uh, gives recommendations. You know, post COVID, things have been a little bit wonky, but to meet these guys kind of gives me a feeling of a new chapter where things are kind of coming back after a really rough couple of years. And I just had the most wonderful time, really wonderful, beautiful people. I think Koyo Guest House for, for me、uh, is one of those rare places which transforms people.、Uh, maybe not forever, but、uh, at least when staying there, people become s kinder and more thoughtful, and、uh, together. With the staff creates a space where everyone takes care about each other, which is kind of a rare thing and a really, really wonderful thing. Right, well, I think this is the perfect place to wrap things up. Special thanks to Nakanishi, Alex, Shiori, Taku, Martin, Jordan, Kyo, Axel, and Tyler for sharing their thoughts and letting me record their voices. Please check out the links in the description of this episode for more information about Gojo Guest House. If you have any questions or requests, you can visit us at kyotopiajapan.com or send us an email at kyotopiajapan at gmail.com. I know this was very different from our normal format for the podcast, so if you would like to hear more episodes like this or not, please let us know. We would love to hear your feedback. That's it, friends. I hope to meet you all in Kyoto someday. Maybe share a drink at Gojo Cafe, yeah? それではまたさようなら。Uh, from Gojo Guest House. Come here and drink together. We are looking forward to seeing you. Okay. <laughs>
I was lost in a country far, far away where the bamboo blew in the wind and whipped my naked shoulders. A friendly face, a friendly face. I needed to see a friendly face. But there were none. That was until I reached the ancient capital and I tread on my way over that bridge. And I reached the homeless, homeless home. 